Church, say amen. amen. We are in Colossians chapter number four. Uh, we're going to begin reading in verse number two. Now, if you were here last week, you knew we, we, we're starting a little three, three part series on Bob. We are praying for Bob. Uh, Bob stands for a burden. B, a burden. Say it with me. B stands for? O stands for opportunities. And the last B stands for boldness, boldness. We have got to get back to understanding. We have a responsibility to share our faith and we need to be praying for these things. Last week we learned about having a burden. We learned that we need to be broken, that we need to be weeping over lost sinners. Uh, there's only one destination for the lost and that's hell. Let me say it again. It's hell. It's horrible. It's horrifying. It is a terrible, terrible thing. And, and it, 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 there's, no, there's no getting around it. They're, they're either going to heaven or they're going to hell. The people that you love, the people that you care about, the people that you go to school with, the people that you go to work with, they're going to end up in heaven or hell. Which place are you helping them get to? Are you helping them get to heaven by your witness and by your life you're living in front of them, sharing the gospel with them? Or are you helping them get to hell by keeping your mouth shut? The greatest sin in the American church today is the silent Christian. And we've got to change that. Do you know what it was said about the, the early disciples, the early apostles? You know, one complaint that the government officials and the religious officials, Pharisees and Sadducees, you know what one of the complaints they had? They said, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. They, could, they did everything they could to get them to shut up. And you know what we're doing today? We're trying everything we can to get you to speak up. We got to change that. We got to change it. And all God's people say it. So we're going to today. Today we're going to preach on opportunities. Opportunities. Let's look in verse number, verse number two. Paul is sitting in a, a Roman prison. He is sitting in a Roman prison and sitting in a Roman prison. And the kind he was sitting in is not like we have today. It's a hole in the ground. A hole in the ground. Almost like a sewage hole. And you wouldn't think you'd get many opportunities, but watch what Paul asked them to pray for. He's asking the church to pray. He says in verse two, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now he's, now he's going to tell them what to pray for with all praying also for us that God would, everybody say it fair of you say it with me. God would open unto us a door of utterance. Give us an opportunity. That's what he's asking to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds and that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. In other words, he's saying, I want you to pray that God will give me an opportunity to share the gospel and I'll make it plain and clear. That's what that means. And all God's people say it. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this great crowd this morning. Thank you for people that have got out of bed early and come to your house. Uh, Lord, to be edified, to be strengthened, to be challenged. Uh, Lord, we're not here to babysit anybody. We're not here to pamper anybody. We're not here to, we're not here to entertain anybody. We're here to edify each other, build each other up so we can go out there and fight this war that we're in. I pray that your perfect will be done. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Guide my words, guide my thoughts. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And we'll praise you, we'll glorify your name. 
and give you all the glory and praise for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Opportunities. Opportunities. Paul says, pray that God would give us an opportunity. Pray that I would open my mouth and speak clearly and, and speak plainly. This word opportunity is important. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, in verse number 8, he said, but I will tarry at Ephesus. I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. Why? For a great, what's that word? Door. Everybody say it. For a great door and effectual is open unto me. In other words, he's saying, man, there, I have a great opportunity. I have a great opportunity. I was reading about a shoe salesman. I was reading about a shoe salesman that was sent to uh, the dark continent, was sent to Africa into a place where uh, it, a shoe salesman had never been sent before. And he stayed for a couple of weeks and he sent a telegram back to the U.S. and said, listen, you need to bring me back home. There's no reason for me to be here. Nobody wears shoes over here. Well, they sent this old boy just out of college. He wasn't too bright, but he was very energetic and he was very enthused about sales. And, and so they sent him over there and he spent about three days and he called and sent or sent a, a telegram back and said, send every shoe you can send. My Lord have mercy. Nobody has shoes over here. <laughs> now, how are we looking at the opportunities around us? Are we looking at the opportunities around us? Are we looking at the situation that we find ourselves in in our country? I ain't going to lie. I ain't going to lie. Depending on how you look at it, depending on how you look at it, you can either get depressed or excited like that young man. Why? Because the darker it is, the brighter your light will shine. And we have to ask God for opportunity. So here's what I want to do. I want to go through this kind of quickly. Uh, I've got a lot of information again. I told you last time it kind of looked like a Wednesday night Bible study and it kind of does that again. But I'll go fast so uh, we, we will try to stay on time. Now, when it comes to opportunities to share your faith. And man, I, I've, had, I've had a great week. I'm not going to lie. I've had a great week. This thing's been all over me. God's let me preach on it again Wednesday night. And, 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 and ever since Sunday, ever since praying for a burden, every single day I've been able to share with somebody and, 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 and witness to somebody. And, and I have met some incredible people and had some awesome opportunities. And man, there's something to be said about what God will do for you and your energy and your excitement level when you start doing what you're called to do. And you say, well, you're the preacher. You're called to do that. God gave the great commission to every believer. All right. Now, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to ask God to help us. Amen. First, number one, if you're writing this down, take notes. First, we got to pray for opportunities. If we're ever going to get opportunities to share our faith and to witness, we need to pray for opportunities. What is Paul asking for here? He said, continue in prayer. Verse two, continue in prayer. Now watch what he says. Verse three, with all Praying with all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance that God would give us an opportunity. So if we're ever going to get one, we need to pray. We need to pray. God, give us an opportunity. Now, here's here's what I want you to write down in your notes. Three things real quickly. When we pray, we need to a first we need to remember we need to remember there's something that stood out in these verses that 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 really caught my attention. Uh, first in, in, in verse number three, 
it says, wherewithal praying also for us that. All right. When I stop, I want you to give me the next three words. Okay. The next three words with all praying also for us that say it again. You know what he is, he, he, that Paul knows right here, the opportunity is going to come from, from God. Our opportunities are going to come from God. Look what he says. Look what he says in verse number two or or second Corinthians chapter two, verse 12. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, a door was opened unto me of the the Lord. Now, what are we doing? When we pray, when we pray every morning, you get up every morning, you get out of bed before you put your foot on that floor. You need to say, God burden my heart and give me an opportunity to tell somebody about you because we know that the opportunity is going to be given to us from the, the Lord. How many of y'all believe God loves folks? How many of y'all believe God won't see him say how many of y'all believe if we ask God that he'll give us an opportunity to share that with somebody? Amen. God will orchestrate it. God will bring it together. God will put you right in the path of somebody who needs him the most. So when we pray, let's remember that opportunities come from God. Say that with me. Remember that. B, here's, a, here's an important deal. We need to relinquish. When we pray, we need to relinquish. Write that down. That's important. Preacher, what do you mean relinquish? We need to submit to the Holy Spirit. We all have a will, but we need to be like Christ and say, not my, but thy will be done. Are y'all with me? Now, why did I put this in there? One of the, one of the, the coolest, uh, one of the coolest stories in the Bible to me is in John chapter number four with the woman at the well. How many of y'all remember that? Jesus goes to Samaria. Now watch what it says in John four, right there in your notes, John four, it says, when therefore the Lord knew, this is John four, one, when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. Now, now if you have a, if you have a map of, uh, Jerusalem, or excuse me, uh, Israel, if you have a map of Israel, Judea is down here and, and, and Galilee is up here. All right. And right in the middle is Samaria. Samaria were, were half breed people saying it crudely. They were half Assyrian and half Jew. Uh, they were hated by the Jewish people. They were despised by the Jewish people. Because they tried to make their own temple and separate and create their own form of worship. Uh, they hated each other. They wouldn't spit on each other if they was on fire. They were, they were, there was a, just a, dis, a, a disdain for each other. Now, so what the, the Jews would normally do if they were wanting to go from Judea to Galilee, they would go as far as they could go before they got to Samaria, cross over the Jordan River to the east bank, and go past there and then come back over so they would not defile themselves going through Samaria. Are y'all with me? But I want y'all to, I want y'all to look at verse four. Look at verse four. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee and he, he said, boys, right here is where we take a detour. 
but not today. Because I got to go through Samaria. I got to go. He must need. That is put there for a reason. That is put there so we would know that this is not the norm. They normally wouldn't do this, but today is the day. Now, I wonder why today is the day. Well, we keep reading and we find out. There's a woman who needed salvation at a well. But guess what? Watch this now. How did Jesus know that? Well, obviously he's God and he's omniscient and he knows everything. But you see, Jesus lived his life on this earth as a human. Completely submitted to the Father's will. Now watch this. Watch this. Mark chapter 1 verse 35. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day. This is talking about Jesus. In the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out, departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. You know what I believe happened? I believe early that morning, Jesus got up, spent some time with his father, prayed, and said, not my will, but. And I believe the Holy Spirit guided him because after the baptism, after he was uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit, he was led by the Holy Spirit. He was led everywhere he went by the Holy Spirit. And you know what I believe? I believe with all of my heart, he prayed that morning, his father in the Holy Spirit led him to go through Samaria and sit at that well and talk to that woman and then win that whole city to Jesus. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm going I'm to say this right here and everybody understand and everybody please get this clear. If you want God to give you an opportunity, you've got to submit to his leadership. When he says stop, you need to stop. When he says speak up, you need to speak up. When he says go into this store, you need to go into that store. I'll give you a perfect illustration. Uh, uh, this, this week, my daughter, uh, the only one I got left at home <clears throat> that eats more than all three of the rest of them. She said, she said, she said Daddy, I, I said, y'all, y'all want to go get something to eat? And, and, and I, I was thinking, I was thinking Applebee's and she said, I want to go to Golden Corral. Now, the last time I went to Golden Corral, I had a bad experience and I'm not, I'm not, if you work at Golden Corral, God bless you. But I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just trying to be honest. It was no good. And I said, Golden Corral. I don't want to go to Golden Corral. And, and, and another thing too, I tried to start my diet this week and that's a buffet. How many of y'all know when you're dieting, you don't go to a buffet? This got chocolate on chocolate cake, all you can eat. I said, I don't want to go to Golden Corral. I said, and I knew, I knew I had an ally because I knew Tammy wouldn't want to go to Golden Corral either. But Tammy bailed on me and it was just me and Kobe and her. So I guess we got to go to Golden Corral now. I pouted about it a little bit. And we got there and, and in the process of eating, I was able to meet two waitresses and, and struck up a conversation and be able to share the gospel. And, and one, one had come to a funeral that I'd preached here. And man, I'm telling you, my heart got burdened and I, 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 I told her I was going to pray for her and, 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 and was able to witness and, and spend some time. And all of a sudden I realized I wasn't in Golden Corral for the pudding. I must needs go to Golden Corral. Amen? 
God, matter of fact, it was one of the sweetest opportunities all week, every day, every day I've been able to share my story, you know, and, and my story is, is, is a chance to share my testimony and then inside it's got the gospel and every day I've given out multiple multitudes of these several a day, but I don't think any was as sweet as the time I got to spend with that young lady. And that was by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't in my plan. Are y'all with me? So we got to pray, God, give us an opportunity. God, give us an opportunity. A, say it with me. We need to, everybody, come on. We need to, that what? Opportunities come from God. God will create them. All right, B, we need to, which means to submit to the Holy Spirit. All right, C, write this down. Request. Just ask for it. Just ask for it. Mark 7. So how do you know he'll answer that? Watch this. This is good. Matthew chapter 7, ask and it shall be given you. Ask. Just ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Now I know what you're thinking. Preacher, preacher, I've quoted that verse. I prayed and quoted that verse, and I asked for a Ferrari, and I didn't get it. Okay, let's, let's, let's put some more verses together. Okay, let's put some more verses together. Uh, in James, I didn't even put this down, but in James it says you ask and have not because you ask amiss to consume it on your own lust. In other words, you miss the will of God on that deal. It may not be the will of God that you have a Ferrari, but watch, watch what it says. First John five, first John five, 14. And this is the confidence. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, there's the key. There's the key right there. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know, we know that we have the petition that we have desired of him. (laughs) You say, well, how do we know it's his will for us to have an opportunity to share our faith? Because the Bible says God is not willing. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And they can't repent till they hear the gospel. And they won't hear the gospel until somebody shares it with them. And they won't share it with them until they get an opportunity. So, if I pray that God will give me an opportunity, how many of y'all would agree that that is God's will? Because it's his command. He commanded us to share our faith. Over and over and over, you see it. Especially with the demoniac. How many of y'all remember the demoniac? He comes and casts the demons out of the, the man full of demons and, and he's healed. And he, he used to run around naked in the tomb and tried to chain him up and he fixed all that. And he wanted to go with Jesus. And this is what Jesus said. No, 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 no. I don't need you to go with me. I need you to go home. Go tell your family. Go tell your friends what good things God has done for you. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to open your mouth. Amen. All right. So number one, if we're going easy now, easy, easy. Number one, if we're going to get an opportunity, what do we got to do? We got to pray. We got to pray. Got to pray for opportunities. Before you ever leave your house, pray for an opportunity. Ask God. You'll be amazed at what God will do for you. 
Pray for an opportunity. Number two, write this down. Look for an opportunity. Look for an opportunity. I want everybody to look at me for just a minute. Everybody look at me. I need to see the whites of your eyeballs. Up, up, everybody, everybody. Nobody has ever witnessed on accident. Evangelism, sharing your faith, you're going to do it on purpose. This is something, and I heard this over and over with Brother Dave Gibson. You got to be intentional. You got to do it on purpose. This is not something that you're just, you're going to accidentally do. You got to want this. And if you, if you will look for an opportunity, you will find an opportunity. I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced when I hear people say, well, I just didn't have a chance. That's because you wasn't looking for one. I don't know. I don't know if you realize how dark it is out there. And I'm not talking about from the thunderstorm. It is getting more wicked by the day. But guess what? There are hungry people out there. There are hungry people out there. In the situation at the Golden Corral, the the one I spent the most time with wasn't even my waitress. I I, I was sharing my my story track with with my waitress and, and talking to her and inviting her. And out the corner of my eye, I saw somebody watching and listening and I thought, mm-hmm. And so I said, ma'am, how long you, you you work here? Oh, I worked here just a little bit. I used to work at the Waffle House. I said, you did? She said, yeah, I was a cook. I said, a brain surgeon can't do what y'all do. <laughs> how many of y'all have ever been to Waffle House and it full and they calling out orders from all over the place and they're flipping and flopping and jamming and cooking and slinging and I said, there ain't a brain surgeon in this country can do what y'all do. You know what happened? I was looking. And the problem with us is we're not looking. We got blinders on. We're going through our life and all we can think about is our own self. All we can think about is our own problems. All we can think about is our own situations and our own needs and our own wants and our own desires. And let everybody go to hell. I don't have time. That's the American church. And we discussed that two weeks ago when we saw that the, the disciples went into that city in Sakar and came back with nothing. And that one new Christian, that one lady who had been forgiven, brought the whole city. You know why they didn't see an opportunity? Somebody tell me why they didn't see an opportunity. They wasn't looking. Watch this. This is a good story. Acts 3. Acts 3, 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. And by the way, by the way, this is cool. At the end of chapter 2 in Acts, at the end of chapter 2 in Acts, do you know what the Bible says? It's a, it's a really awesome verse. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved or those who were being saved. It didn't say the Lord added every Sunday when they went to church. No. It said the Lord added to the church daily. You know what that means? That means those that was coming to church on Sunday were sharing what they heard on Monday and Tuesday. And went. are y'all with me? 
If the Lord's adding daily, that means people are getting saved outside of the church services. Guess what? That's the way it's supposed to be. And then in chapter three, we see how. We see how. He tells you what's happening at the end of chapter two, that the Lord is adding to the church daily. People are getting saved day by day. Now we see how. Peter and John, they're going up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Hey, there ain't no better place to ask for for charity than, than, than guilty people trying to get right with God. All right, come on. Then it says this, who seen Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked in alms and Peter fastening his eyes upon him said, look on us, look at us. And he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none. That proves he was Baptist. Amen. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up, stood, walked, and entered into the temple, walking and leaping. And what was he doing? Praising God. God. His life was changed forever. Now watch this. Here's some things about opportunities when we look for them. All right. A, write this down. Opportunities are usually found in daily living. Opportunities are usually found in daily living. In other words, in your daily life. Some people think to be an evangelist. Some people think to share your faith, to, 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 to be a witness. You got to put a box on the corner, stand on the corner and say, turn or burn. You're all going to hell. But that's not true. Guess what? I was sharing my faith. I was sharing my faith at, at the, at the, what did I say? The uh, golden corral. I shared my faith at the bank. I've shared my faith uh, in the drive-thru at Jack's this morning. I've shared my faith in gas stations. I've shared my faith at a table with a friend. It's just your daily living. Now, we can all, we can all quote the Great Commission, right? What's the first word of the Great Commission? Go. Go. Say it with me. If you define that and break that word down in, in, in the Greek language, it means as you are going. In other words, in your daily life, when you go to the post office, when you go to the market, when you go to school, when you go to work, as you are going, make disciples as you are going. We need to be making disciples at Walmart. We need to be making disciples at Publix. We need to be making disciples at at, at Buena Vista. We need to be making disciples in your home as we are living. We, we, don't have to, we don't have to put up a pulpit. You don't have to have a church building. You don't have to have a platform. You don't have to have a steeple to, to have an opportunity. There are opportunities all around you. Are y'all with me? B, opportunities are usually found. Now we're under looking. We're looking. If we're going to look, they're found in daily living. B, they're usually disguised as problems. Opportunities are usually disguised as problems. Guys, it's not blessings that usually drive people to Jesus. It's problems. This man was crippled. He was lame. He was in a bad way. And think about it. Let's be honest. Let's be honest. He was a beggar. 
Now, now, how many of y'all can be honest for about 37 seconds real quick? What do we, what do we normally do when we, we pull up to a red light? And you know who is standing over there? Now, I have my, I have my own opinion about a lot of things. And I'm not going to share that here. And I'm not criticizing you for not rolling your window down. I'm not. Because there are some people that just need to get a job. And I'm not saying that. I'm just saying sometimes when we see things that make us uncomfortable. And we see people with a problem. Our first, our first initiative is to avoid it or ignore it or get away from it. When it's usually the problems that give you an opportunity to help them find the solution. Peter said, silver and gold, have I none, but I got an answer to the problem you got. Are y'all with me? And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you in most of the situation I talked to, the situation I talked to last Sunday, last Sunday, when I left this building, I, I met a lady, I met a lady in the gas station uh, right before you get on that interstate in Gaston. Which one is that interstate? 59. 59, there's a little, there's a little gas station right before you get on the interstate and, and, and she had two grandchildren that had, what's the, the breathing situation? RSV real bad and needed prayer. You know what? That's a problem, but that problem created an opportunity. Are y'all with me? Listen, don't, don't be afraid when when somebody shows you their problem, that may be God signaling you, Hey, let me pray for that. And that prayer could create an opportunity for you to share the one that you pray to. Are y'all with me? Come on now. The opportunities are usually found in daily living. They're usually disguised as problems. I told one young lady this week, you could just see life in her face. Just down. Discouraged. I said, ma'am, has anybody ever told you how much Jesus loves you? And you, it was almost like you flipped the switch. You could almost completely see her countenance change. (coughs) Ladies and gentlemen, there are thousands of people all around us that are hurting. And guess what? They're looking. They just don't know what to look for. Well, guess what? You got it. You got what they're looking for. Now we need to go looking for them. Amen? All right, A, when we're looking for opportunities, we need to remember this, A, A, the whole thing, people. Say it with me. Here we go. Usually, okay, say it one more time. B, okay, say it again. So when somebody comes to you with a problem again, don't dismiss it right away. Say, "Uh uh-oh, God may be giving me a opportunity. Amen? C, it usually requires taking the initiative. It usually requires taking the initiative. What did Peter say to him? Hey, buddy, look at me. Peter took the initiative. It's, it's, It's sometimes this may happen. But it's so rare, it's so rare, you might as well forget that it'll ever happen. 
it's rarely going to happen that a sinner out there is going to come up and you say, hey, will you show me how to get saved? It's just, it's just, I mean, it's just not going to happen. And matter of fact, a lot of times they're not even going to talk about spiritual things. So guess who's got to take the initiative to help get to it? We do. We, we, have, a, we have a pattern called share. Say that with me. Share. share. S. S stands for secular. Never start, if you're trying to, to witness to somebody, never start out with, are you going to heaven or hell? And, and a lot of people do this, but I don't recommend it either. They just, they just blunt, just right first part of the conversation. If you were to die right now, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven or would there be some doubt? That's like saying, how's your kidneys today? That's a little personal. Y'all with me? Got to work up to that. We talk about the secular things. Man, how, how's it going? Are you from here? I like saying that. Are you from here? No, I'm, I'm not from here. Where are you from? How long you been here? All right, we go from secular. Don't start, don't start out with heaven or hell. You're going you're gonna to shut them down right away. And, and by the way, people don't know, people don't care how much you know till they know how much you. And you're showing genuine interest. You're not faking this. You care about this person. Secular to H, which means home. Hey, are you married? Are you married? You have any kids? How about grandkids? Oh, man. I'm glad you asked. I caught myself on the plane. I become one of them. It was at the moment that I caught myself reaching across the aisle, showing the picture of little Carter to a perfect stranger that I realized it has happened. And you know what? I didn't care. Amen. Home life. Hey, hey, how you married? You got children? How's it? Then, then what? A attitude, attitude. Now, y'all that was at the conference and the training, help me with these because I may forget one. Attitude is this. Are you happy? Do you like working here? Do you like working here? How's things going? And you know what? You think, perfect stranger ain't going to tell me. Uh-huh. I've learned some things I just assumed they hadn't have told me. Y'all with me? But you know what? When you're hurting... Sometimes sharing that hurt makes you feel better. And so you ask them that. Why? Because you're, you're trying to go from the secular to the eternal. And here's what you're doing. You're building a bridge from your heart to theirs that Jesus can walk over. So you say, hey, how are, how are things going? Are you happy? You like working here? Everything going good at home? Or now we talk about religion. Now we talk about religion. Cesar, remind me the E stands for eternal. <clears throat> hey, do you get to go to church anywhere? I asked a young lady, I asked a young lady this week that, and immediately everything was cordial and fine and, and smiling. And when I said that, immediately it was no. I had a bad experience. You know what I said? Me too. 
I've had them too. I said, but you know what? Every church ain't the same. And everybody that says they're a Christian is not. I said, man, please don't, don't blame God for something some stupid person did. Her little brother. Her little brother went through a phase when he was a teenager. And, and, and he wore the, the goth stuff, you know, all black. And y'all know the, the, all that kind of clothing and stuff. And just going through a phase. And he was asked not to come to church if he was going to wear that. Now, my first response was immediate anger. Immediate anger. Well, preacher, do you care about what people wear? I care about what Christians wear because you know better. Christians ought to look like Christians. You ought to be covered up. You You ought not look like you're going to the beach. You know better. But when it comes to people that don't know Jesus, I don't care what they look like. It does not matter what they look like. And if that bothers you, you're in the wrong church. This broke this young lady's spirit. And she connected, she connected what a foolish, and they, and you know what? In all honesty, the people at that church thought they were probably doing the right thing. But because of a foolish decision that somebody made, she was connecting that with how God feels about her. And I said, ma'am, Jesus loves you. Me too. And don't worry about that kind of thing. Don't worry about that kind of thing. I promise you, Jesus loves you just like you are. Amen? Amen. So, so, take the initiative. Oh, I got to give you E, right? What was S? What was S? Secular, start with the secular. H, home, home. Talk about the kids, grandkids. You live here. You live, all right. What was A? Attitude. How are things going? You happy? You like working here? You like living in Coleman, right? R, religion. Hey, that's when you start moving the conversation to, to getting serious about Christ. Hey, you know, all right. E, eternal. Talk about eternal things. And if you have the time, if you have the time, say, you know what? There was something that happened to me in my life that changed my life. You got a minute for me to tell my story? And when you tell your story, after you tell your story, say, you got a story like that? Do you have a story like that? A lot of times if they're not saved, they say, well, no, would you like to? Amen? I'm going to teach you all how to do all this. It's good. Listen, and these weren't even in notes, and I'm not even charging for that part. <laughs> Let's look at number three quickly. We've got two minutes and 40 seconds. All right, A, number one, number one, what do we do for opportunities? We pray, pray for opportunities. Number two, we Push. look for opportunities. Number three, we create opportunities. We create opportunities. I love this. <clears throat> Mark chapter number two. Verse 15, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at me in his house. Now, whose house are we talking about? We're talking about Matthew. Talking about Levi. Well, it says Levi, but that's Matthew. 
Matthew was a tax collector and he was hated, 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 hated by the Jewish people because the tax collectors, the publicans, worked for the Romans. And most of the times they, they extorted money. They, they charged way more than what they should have so they could pocket the rest. That kind of sounds similar, doesn't it? <clears throat> anyway, anyway. And, and so Jesus comes to Matthew and he says, hey, come and follow me. And you know what Matthew did? He left his, he left his booth. He left his career as a tax collector and started following Jesus. And you know what the first thing he did? The first thing that Matthew did is he threw a big party and invited all his sinner friends. That's, it's biblical. It's right there. He put on a big feast and invited all his sinner friends. And you know who came to the party? Come on. That's right. Look here. And as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many, what? Publicans, publicans was those tax collectors that everybody hated. And now sinners, what qualified you as a sinner is that you knew right, but you didn't do it. You wasn't following, you wasn't following God, the Torah or nothing else. You was just a heathen in their eyes. Many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, They said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he said unto them, they that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Now let's look at Luke 19. Luke 19. So we have Matthew follows Jesus. He gets excited about it and he invites all his sinner friends. Why? Because he wants them to meet Jesus. What did he do? He created opportunities to share his faith. Are y'all with me? Now watch this. Luke 19. Luke 19. And this is Zacchaeus. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And by the way, we'll go through Jericho in in our, our pilgrimage when we go to Israel. It's really cool. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press. There were so many people. He's a little short fellow. Because he was of little stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down, for today I must abide at thy house. Now watch this. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. What did Jesus do? He created an opportunity. Now, here's how we're going to create an opportunity. A, write this down. By being where they are. By being where they are. Now, I'm going to chap some of y'all, so you might as well put your seatbelt on right here. Everybody pay close attention. Pay close attention. Y'all pay close attention out there at Fairview too. We have a bad, bad problem in the American church. Especially after someone's been saved a little while. We have the problem that all we know is Christians. Because that's all who we hang with. And that's all who we spend time with. 
That's a bad problem. Brother, brother Dave, brother Dave said in the training the other day, he said, if you're going to reach sinners, you got to be where the sinners are. He said, if you're going to fish, you got to go where the fish are. Are y'all with me? In other words, y'all ain't going to do much soul winning up in here. Amen. And most of the time when you do get together with people, guess what? It's your other Christian friends. When's the last time you threw a party for sinners? Invited everybody you knew who wasn't saved. Don't invite these Christians. They're already going to heaven. They don't need repentance. Well, they do. They need repentance of keeping silent. But they're already going to heaven. They were complaining about Jesus. He's sitting down with sinners. He's sitting down with publicans. He's eating dinner with publicans and sinners. I was in a, I was in a gas station one time out there at Bethel, that gas station at Bethel. <clears throat> and they had booths. They had booths in there and, uh, and, and like old McDonald's booths in there. And we were sitting there and I was sitting with a bunch of uh, crooked coon hunters. <clears throat> and we was going to go coon hunting that night. And, uh, and there was a bunch of us in there and, and, and we were sitting there in the, in the lady at the time, this is years and years and years ago. The lady at the time that worked in there come by and said something a little salty. And one of the coon hunters said, Hey, 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 it's a preacher right here. And she turned, she turned and looked at me and shook her little head. That bothered me right away. She said, well, what in the world's he doing sitting with y'all? I said, ma'am, who in the world would need me the most? Well, she took off. Hello? I, I started going to a place called the Coleman Coon Club when I first moved here. And I'll be honest with you, it wasn't for the sole purpose of soul winning I wanted to go coon hunting and I didn't have a dog and I didn't have a place to go and I didn't know anybody. And you just got to know how shy I am. I'm shy, scared to death of people. I'd go in there. I didn't, I didn't know a soul in there. There's some people up in this room right now that can testify. They were, they were there and I'd sit there and I'd grab a magazine and act like I'd read a magazine, hoping somebody invite me to go. A couple nights later, I heard them whispering, Word got out. I never said anything. And I'm going to tell you, I heard some words and language in that place. I had to take three showers when I got home. <laughs> and I never said a word. Never said, hey, I'm the preacher. Watch my... I never said nothing. Why? Because sinners do what sinners do. One day, one of them said, hey, preacher, you want to go? You want to go with us tonight? I said, sure do. And so here we go. And I become really good friends with all of them in there. Nothing really changed. They was testing me. They didn't mess with me just to see. You know why? Because they'd seen so many crooked preachers. Preachers call themselves preachers and, and cheat and lie and do everything in the world. And by the way, everybody calls themselves a preacher ain't a preacher. 
Dr. Melvin Biggs told me when I surrendered to preach at 17 years old, he said, preachers are a dime a dozen, but real men of God are few and far between. Well, one day, one day, sitting at Fat Rat's house, <clears throat> there's a whole bunch of them in there. And they got to talking about stuff, and, and, and somehow or another, the conversation come about God. And they said, what do you think, preacher? I said, you want to know? <laughs> Guess what? That was my, that's right. Son, I started from Genesis and went slander revelation like a machine gun. I let them hold it. They was jumping out windows and through doors and everything else. I was giving them the gospel gun. And man, there's a ton of them got saved. A bunch of them. One of the meanest ones in there. One of the meanest ones in there. I got to baptize him. And he died of cancer. And just a couple of days before he died of cancer, I carried him. He had gotten lost so much weight. I went to see him and his wife needed to change the sheets and stuff. And I carried him in my arms. You know what? I could have been so self-righteous to say, well, I'm not going to mix with this crowd. Bless God, they don't know how to talk around here. Now, let me say this. I don't recommend a baby Christian to do that. A baby Christian, you need to spend way more time with godly people than you do sinner people. You don't need to forget about your sinner friends because that's how we're going to reach them. But you need to get around good influence. But you seasoned saints, quit being scared to hang out with sinners. Because you know what you know and you know what you believe and they're not going to if we don't ever get around them, we're never going to be able to reach them. If we're going fishing, we've got to be where the fish are. And all God's people say it. Amen. Lastly, write this down. We're going to create opportunities, A, by. Come on, everybody. I done, I done got you upset. Listen, Matthew threw a party and invited all his sinner friends. Period. All right? By being where they are. B, write this down. By being the friend that they need. By being the friend that they need. Look what it says, Luke 7, 34. The son of man has come eating and drinking. And ye say, behold, a gluttonous man and a wine bibber. Let's all read this. A. Say it again. What? Now look at me now. Look at me. Look at me. Because I got to quit. I got I to gotta dismiss. Can you think of a better compliment somebody could pay you than to say, hey, oh, Malcolm, he's a friend of sinners. Boy, he loved people. Jesus loved people. Zacchaeus was a heathen, a thief, hated by everybody. And that's who he picked out. Says, hey, boy, I'm going to your house today. Let's go after the worst of the worst. There was two people in Barnwell County that was notorious. Notorious. And not in a good way. Paul Allen Owens, captain of the Barnwell County Jail, mean as a devil. 
And Mr. Atkinson, Johnny Atkinson, both of them came to church. I spent time with both of them. I was at, at Paul Allen's house to three o'clock in the morning witnessing him over the hood of his truck before he finally got saved. And every single service at Barnwell in, in Long Branch Baptist Church, he'd sit on the back and old Johnny would sit on the front. And I'd see him talking and Paul said, Johnny, do you ever think we'd be in a place like this? Little did I know that just a few years before that, that Paul and Johnny was in a bar fight against each other. And Johnny tried to cut Paul and his buddy pushed him out the way and cut him from the top bottom of his ear all the way down his neck. And he's on the front row and Paul's on the back. It was the talk of all of Barnwell. They said, that roof is going to fall in. <laughs> no, that's who we want. We want the worst of the worst. We want the ones that nobody will even speak to. Let's go after them. If we don't tell them, and by the way, pray for Johnny. I talked to him a few days ago, and he's got stage four cancer. He's in bad, bad shape. But man, he loves me. Because somebody cared. I could call Paul today and say, there's somebody in my church that's picking on me, and you've had it. You know why? Because he's just so thankful. Somebody looked beyond his fault and saw his need. The opportunities are there, guys. We need to pray for them. We need to look for them. And we need to try to create them. Listen, have a barbecue and invite somebody that's lost. Love on them so you can share with them the greatest thing that ever happened to them. And all God's people say it.